0: 5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the p Man.
1: In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1.
0: Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Breaking. This just, just in. Breaking
2: news.
0: This is a special report on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Here's Patrick Johnson.
3: And there's news breaking all over the place. Uh, 94.3 The Game first to report this afternoon that ECU basketball is back in a COVID protocol situation. That means no basketball game tomorrow at Temple. That means no basketball game at home Saturday versus the Owls. So uh, no pirate hoops due to COVID issues within the program. The official statement about 15 minutes ago, ECU men's basketball program is temporarily pausing all activities beginning Wednesday, February 10th. Due to a positive test, contact tracing and subsequent quarantining of individuals within the program told it was just one positive test within the program. As a result, uh, the games between ECU and Temple scheduled for February 11th at Philadelphia. And February thirteenth in Greenville have been postponed. There's no makeup date announced. The conference will be putting something out, possibly uh, within minutes. Uh, that is more to maybe rearrange the schedule. But I believe both games are slated to be on ESPN Plus. So uh, it's not like you're going to have to fill uh, an ESPN, a Deuce, or ESPN U window necessarily. Uh, so that's some of the breaking news today. The uh, old, what's old is new again. The uh, swimming and diving coach for the women, the Tennis coach for the women. Both have uh, been reinstated after those programs had gone away. Ben will have more on that in a little bit. Speaking of Ben, it's been Byram across the way. Hey, Ben. Hey, Ben. What's, What's happening? happening? What's hey. popping? Well, a lot of breaking news. Uh, it's sad to hear the um, fact that uh, Pirate Basketball is again having to pause for COVID-19. That plagued them throughout the month of uh, January. So these keys to the game uh, comments we saved for today. Rip them up. Get
4: them out of here.
3: uh temple that we were going to have Jaden Gardner and Coach Dooley talk about, you know, what we do with those.
4: With all these breaking news going on, there's papers flying everybody. People are running up and down the hallways trying to figure out what's going on. They're getting on the phone, contacting people, getting with their sources. It's, it's, it's a madhouse here.
3: And we've got programming breaking news. Uh, esteemed NASCAR writer, Jeff Gluck, uh, the athletic now is who he writes for, for their uh, auto site. You know Jeff was a national writer for years, and then went out on his own for a couple of years, but now is with the Athletic. Uh, he's down in Daytona, so he's going to join us tomorrow. Wow! So we're going to recut the promo. There you go. He's
4: big on NASCAR Twitter.
3: Big on NASCAR Twitter. Uh, got his start in journalism in Eastern North Carolina.
4: Can't imagine a better place when it comes to NASCAR and
3: racing. So my old friend Jeff Gluck uh, and I will uh, chop it up tomorrow. I guess we're also going to be checking in with Scott Shook tomorrow. Uh, Oh, down in (laughs) (laughs) that's actually the uh, reaction that shook elicits whenever you bring his name up. You hit that one on the head, Ben. Uh, But uh, yes, shook will be. I think he's either on his way to Daytona is already in Daytona. So you probably cannot find any uh, beast light. Who am I kidding? No light, just beast uh, anywhere within a 60 mile radius of uh, greater Daytona, including the ocean. Uh, So there we go. That's uh, what's happening tomorrow. So that'll be great. Uh, So we've got a nice little program, and we have one today. Brian Mull's going to be with us. So it's almost appropriate that we have Brian Mull on because, uh, and Mull and I have talked a little bit about this off air, with all these perpetual uh, postponements and cancellations, it's almost like, Ben, why are we doing this with basketball? And the answer is simple. We've got to have a tournament. March Madness. NCAA releasing the schedule today for the television. And they cannot go another year without the NCAA tournament being played. It would be financially devastating, not only for the NCAA, but for a myriad of athletic programs. You're talking thousands upon thousands of jobs. Uh, It's pretty serious. So Brian Mull on that, maybe some things that the powers that be did not do correctly when making their decision to do this. So that's a couple of things we'll talk about uh, later on in the program. A couple of uh, things. Uh, We've got a Twitter poll. It's going through the showtime tomorrow. Uh, Good response to it. I uh, threw it up earlier today when reading some articles this morning. Ben Byram, who uh, does handle a lot of those uh, Twitter duties for us, uh, is all over the poll. It's pinned to the top of our Twitter page, at 943thegame. If you're not following us there on Twitter, please do. You could also follow me at P Man on Air, and Ben's Twitter is.
4: Why do you believe? No, the no. Ratings... What is your Twitter? I'm... Oh, oh, oh. It's ben great... Byram thirteen
3: at Ben Byram thirteen. Oh, yep. I thought it was B Byram.
4: It's something like that. Okay, at B Byram. 13. As you can tell, I love the Twitter, the, my personal Twitter. I'm
3: about a step away from getting off of it, but <laughs> I hear what you're saying. Uh, but but you know what keeps bringing me back? Things like our great Twitter poll. Yeah. But also the video of uh, Brady and Gronk at the. Uh, the boat parade today that the
4: uh oh yeah there's always something with that super bowl trophy when gronk and brady are involved
3: gronk on a boat gronk parade. more so <laughs> boy that's that's wild but brady was didn't have his sea legs i guess he you know maybe had half a <laughs> half a light beer and got a little they had to they had to walk him off the boat onto dry land all right uh what's the uh, twitter poll then
4: so we asked, why do you believe the ratings for this year's Super Bowl were the lowest in several years? Was it because of Brady? Was it because the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl again? Was it because of too much politics? Was it because the game was a blowout? Leading with 61.8% of the votes. The majority of the votes was too much politics. Followed by the game was a blowout with 27.6%. And then Brady being at the Super Bowl again was 10.5%. Zero for the Chiefs. Nobody cares about the Chiefs. No,
3: I think people are here for the Chiefs because they like Mahomes and they they like Andy Reid. He kind of reminds you of, you know, uh, a Chris Farley kind of character in a way. Yeah, and, loves you know, burgers. Loves burgers.
4: His weird mask thing going on.
3: He had issues with the mask all year. Yeah. Uh, and the you know, fogging up on him when he wore the shield and all that. Yeah. And then, you know, they like uh, the fact that the Mahomes can sling the pill usually. Little Kelsey, little Tyreek. I mean, yeah, a fabulous team to watch until they face that uh, Tampa Bay defense. So I think, uh, I I think what we're here. Now I've had people message me directly and comment directly why they believe it is, which I'm not saying their reasons are invalid.
4: One dude said because it was the because of the pandemic and that none of these were correct. And I say, you sir, be quiet.
3: I guess what he is saying is, and this is, I've heard this has been said, but it's not the case for entertainment, but it's really the case for sports. A lot of sports consumption are down during the course of the pandemic. And that is true, but this is, you know, this is the Super Bowl. This is the, it's a big deal, and Outside
4: of the pandemic, there's only one consistent, constant thing throughout all of those sports, and that's the political aspect of it, is getting exactly. shoved down our throats. Right. And
3: that's that's what I think caused the NBA, nobody, to watch that. Yeah. Because, I mean, I mean, LeBron James, whether you like him or not, is the biggest star in the game. And he was going for a title with the Lakers, a new team. All right. Uh, so vote on our poll. It'll go through the show tomorrow, so we'll update it tomorrow for you at 943 The Game. On uh, Twitter, as uh, we, we talk about that. Big controversy, speaking of politics and sports, it was announced, uh, I guess, overnight in some forms of reporting that the Dallas Mavericks had not been playing the National Anthem prior to their games this year. Now, there are going to be some in such corners as the Triangle Sports Media who will tell you it's a, it's, it's a silly tradition anyway. They shouldn't do it. Mark Cuban, on some level, believes that, obviously, because he's the guy, Mr. Shark Tank Made in America guy that owns the team, and they're not doing this without his blessing. He's not that far detached from what's going on as the owner. Uh, I am was very interested and actually pleased to see that the NBA came out with a statement about two hours ago that yeah. basically said... If you're a team in the National Basketball Association, we are requiring you to play the anthem before the game.
4: Which you think would be a little bit strange. That's a little bit
3: out of character. No, it's a reaction to Mark Cuban is totally what it is. In case this Cuban-Dallas Mavericks idea gave them any sort of uh, belief that this is the right thing to do. So, look, good for the NBA. And there are going to be people, and I'm sure there are people, on the worldwide leader, on any other form of broadcast that talks incessantly about the National Basketball Association. Karen, that that this probably is a little out of Ravel's wheelhouse. I just don't like him. I know, but they're going to they're going to side with Cuban on this because of that kind of anti-American stance. They're going to call the NBA a sellout league that's answering to Madison Avenue. Look, The NBA did a lot. They did as much, if not more, than anybody last year for all of the unrest and the movement in the country for BLM and, and what have you. I mean, they wrote it on the court for crying out loud. They did and always have required their players to stand for a national anthem. That's a league mandate. I go back to something I've been extremely consistent on with this. Kaepernick did not break any sort of record or rule by taking a knee. It was not an it was not an NFL mandate. It was not anything that the National Football League or his franchise was requiring players to do. It had never been addressed. So Kaepernick was in his right to take a knee. By the same token, I'm with well and within my right to hypothetically say that Kaepernick is an idiot. And that is where my consist. That's where the argument with you'd get from woke sports media, triangle sports media types. You would get that where you and I did not have a right to criticize Caprara, but you had to agree with he had a right to. And I do agree with the right. He had a- as long as he wasn't breaking a law, a rule, anything that his employer had set forth. He has every right to do that. That's how he chooses to express himself. Fine. D- don't have to like it. And I can voice, hypothetically, my displeasure for what a dope he is. And you can't, you can't just say, well, your opinion doesn't matter. Did you follow what I'm saying there, Ben? Yeah. Now, if the NBA, it's a rule. They want their players standing at attention for the national anthem. And uh, I think the NBA today has made a great decision. Uh, but I'm sure tomorrow on the Screamin' A shows and what have you, they will get Absolutely, lambasted if they've not already on uh, those platforms.
4: Well, yeah, that's their that's their gimmick, that's but their then, thing.
3: But it's gonna be interesting <laughs> to see what's what a lot of the stuff of the afternoon does on the on the ESPNs, the worldwide leaders, because that network heavily invested in the NBA, heavily invested in the NBA.
4: If you ever try to watch a first take or anything there, it's well ninety percent NBA.
3: The stuff that they have uh, in the afternoons, yeah, is. You know, everybody moans and groans about how much coverage they give the NFL. But, I mean, the NBA stuff is just.
4: I would say even more so.
3: Well, it, and it's just, it's overkill. But they it's gotten to the point where they go out and they do make a lot of manufactured kind of storylines uh, just for the sake of conversation on their talking head shows. I will be anxious to see how those talking head shows attack, especially with no more levitard in the, uh, in the fold if how they will attack the nba here for for making the decision that you have to stand for the national anthem all right a break uh brian mold next segment ncaa ecu basketball not going to be played uh for the next uh, couple games at least ncaa is uh, pressing forward they've got to get to march madness that's a gots the situation because people gots to have that tv money in order to uh survive. Can't miss two years in a row of those checks not coming in from the broadcast rights payers at uh, CBS and at Turner Sports. And uh, that, that's money that has to be distributed for any athletic department, not just here in Greenville, but anywhere in the country to continue to survive with the exception of maybe a scant few. There's even some of the so-called P5 players that have to have that check roll in this year. And that is why we're still playing, despite uh, programs. In the case of ECU, a second time taking a uh, another pause for COVID nineteen. All right, uh, a timeout. Brian Mull on that. When we return, you want to do the Bojangles going to break? Why don't we? We've got a gift card to give away from our friends at Bojangles. Caller, what Ben? Let's go. Caller, you gonna go six? Six. All right, caller six. Brian says
4: one billion. I swear, no, he needs one, to get out of here. Not
3: one billion. Oh, my gosh. Caller 6. Caller 1 billion would be good. You'd, you'd be here quite a while. Caller 6, 252-561-GAME, 252-561-4263. If you are Caller 6, an opportunity for you to win a gift card to Bojangles from your friends here at ninety four three. The Game. We'll be back after this. We're doing it for the gram. Check out picks from the PJ show and
0: more. Plus picks from around Pirate Nation 943 The Game now on Instagram.
3: Oh, it's going to rain tomorrow. 50/50 shot. Some patchy fog. And then uh, rain tomorrow night, rain likely Friday and Friday night. Looking at temps tomorrow. Um, 46. Gracious. What? 41 Friday. Like 70 yesterday. All right. Uh, right now, out at the airport in Greenville. 52 degrees with partly cloudy sky. Brian Muller, just a second. Eric in Winterville was our Bojangles winner. Eric, congratulations. Thank you for listening and calling. We appreciate it very much. Is he there? Thanks, sir. I appreciate oh, it. there he is. Hey, Eric. Uh Eric, anything you want to say? Anything you want to ask uh me? You can ask Ben. Anything on your mind? Uh, shout out. What do you what do you think what do you think's going on with uh
2: ECU basketball when they turn around and beat Houston's top 5 team in the nation and then lose two more games in a row?
3: Can't shoot. I mean, I that's this group that consistently cannot shoot. So are you a fan, Eric, of the NCAA tournament, the March Madness, that we all love? We love the first weekend when the upsets happen, right? Yep. So usually yeah, what I happens think- nine times out of ten when there's an upset of a kind of a mid-major over one of the so-called big boys or a lower seed beats a higher seed is the, the team that's the mid-major team is usually pretty good. Uh, they're older. So they have older guards, which means they take care of the basketball. So they don't turn the basketball over. And it's more of a half-court game in the NCAA tournament anyway. And they make threes. That's usually the recipe for upsetting a team. You take care of the basketball, you don't turn it over, and you make threes. And that's what ECU did against Houston. They took care of the basketball, only had seven turnovers that day. And they made 11 threes. And that was a good enough recipe to kick uh, Houston's tail. Didn't they? What are they, three out of 27 for three in the Two games since I think was the stat I heard today, and I mean that's yeah I think that's what I heard. You you, you just can't in this game now, and I and I know they want to play a low possession game. That's what Joe Dooley wants to do, but he also relies on making those threes, and they've got to make three. They've got to get better shooters. Uh, That's just the bottom line. They've just got to get better, better consistent shoot, more consistent shooters. I do think it is a a tough deal. I heard Coach Dooley last night on his show. Talk about they, you know, do different drills where you got to make a hundred threes in practice, uh, you know, or two in a row from seven different spots. You kind of have to, you know, they're doing things like that in practice, and they put a little game pressure on them too. You know, you got to make these threes in order to get out of running or what, just things like that that you would normally do. But you know, they they, this group hasn't practiced together a whole lot. I think January was the undoing of this team, and I'm not saying they would be some, uh, you know, high level american team right now but if you look at what they've done the last two games they've been in the games. they could have won very easily could have won at memphis very easily could have won uh, the other day monday against smu just can't shoot the ball and until you find guys that can consistently whether they're on the roster now or they're out there come in as a transfer or recruited in unless you find guys that can consistently knock down shots uh, you're just not gonna. I mean, the defense is there, by and large, taking care of the basketballs. There, the effort's certainly there. Jaden Gardner's back to normal. I just think you've got to got to be able to knock down shots, and that's been the big problem. And uh, that's that's at least what where I, how I kind of look at it. Uh, Eric, thanks for calling in, man. We appreciate it. Congrats on the Bojangles, and uh, we'll catch up with you down the road. Thanks for listening. Thank you. All right, there he goes, Eric from Winterville. Uh, Why are we still playing basketball? Now, I'm not asking. I love basketball. I'm a basketball guy. Grew up in a basketball family. Called a lot of basketball games over the years. Watched a lot of basketball games over the years. I'm as big a basketball fan, especially college fan, as you're going to find. Brian Mull joining us here. Writer at large for uh, many outlets, college hoops, also uh, golf. Brian, we're going to – I'm going to play a cut here from Jay Billis. This is not Billis – talking about the UNC situation as he reported on the air. This is his reaction after he had encountered uh, a Carolina coach who was really down on Dayron Sharp and the Baycott kid after they had gone and had video or the photos emerge of them partying without a mask. I want to get your reaction to what Bill has said here, so uh, play that for us, Ben.
2: Just ran into one of the North Carolina assistant coaches, and uh, they're they're upset with uh, with their players. Uh, so on one hand, you're saying, OK, everybody has a responsibility to do things the right way. Then on the other hand, you know, that they told us at the beginning of the year, these are just kids and kids are doing new kid things. I, I think calling them kids infantilizes them, especially when they are adults. And, and some of these players, not necessarily North Carolina, but around the country have their own kids but the players are the one carrying this entire multi-billion dollar business on their shoulders by living on in isolation. The coaches and the staff, they go home at night to their families.
3: I certainly get Billis's points. I kind of have my own, uh, uh, points that I agree with them on, but those that I probably uh, do not agree with them on and have a little different perspective. What say you on this, Brian?
2: I agree. Uh, it, all the coaches I've spoken with, uh, this year, uh, kind of just in casual conversations and, and off the record, um, you know, they've been even more protective of their players than normal because they understand and see on a daily basis the sacrifices that they're having to go through. Um, You know, no different than a lot of us during these times, but uh, without the players there aren't any games. Without the games there's no big pile of money at the end uh, with the NCAA tournament. And let's uh, not kid ourselves, The, the only reason that we're having a basketball season and playing these games is so that the NCAA tournament can be held and that money can be distributed to the, to the schools after, you know, that was not the case last year. So um, I think Jay makes a valid point. Uh, you know, it's going to happen. What happened in Chapel Hill was unfortunate. You know, the players apologized for it. But, uh, you know, they are certainly making the most sacrifices of uh, without question of, of anyone involved in college athletics right now.
3: Brian Mull on the line with us. I could hack on Roy Williams and say, look, it's another case of Roy not knowing exactly what's going on in his program, which we know is, you know, not the case, but I'm not going to rehash the, the whole uh, uh, fake class scandal again. Uh, and that's really just said at the moment for, for some levity. But back to the point at hand, here's my perspective of the football uh, versus basketball situation from the conference standpoint, from the director of athletics standpoint across the board, it seemed like even though it was a little bit dicey at the end getting the into the regular season in with football for college, it, it seemed like there was a, a much better and well-thought-out plan for college football than there has been for be- uh, college basketball. It just doesn't seem like this is business as usual, and this is not a business as usual year where we should be doing things like we've always done them.
2: I agree with you, and I think it just speaks to the uh, the disparity uh, in resources across college basketball when you're talking about 350 programs as opposed to you know 120 or whatever in FBS, and then and then the FCS uh, kind of deciding to do its own thing and play in the spring, which they felt like was the you know uh, the the wisest way for them to go about it, the safest way for them to go about it. I just think in college basketball, what we're seeing is especially in some of these smaller far-flung conferences are where I'm seeing the most outbreaks, uh, you know, conferences that, that span multiple states that require plane flights. Um, you know, you have different uh, levels of, uh, you know, hotspots in different areas and that sort of thing. And those are the conferences that, that are right now down two or three teams that can't play and uh, maybe just don't have the, uh, yeah, you know, the same resources available on a daily basis to, to keep uh, to keep things kind of, keep their bubble kind of tight, if you will.
3: College basketball, golf writer Brian Mall on the phone with us. I really like the idea at first what the Big South, the CAA, Conference USA, even though they're taking plane flights in a lot of cases with their teams, what they were doing, and that is trying to play uh, the two games over the course of a weekend. We're seeing now a lot of these weekends getting lost. Uh, with the American, the ACC, a lot of other conferences, uh, whole weeks are being lost, but you also have the, the – airplane travel one-off component uh, in there it seemed like the preseason part of this or the pre-conference season for a lot of places was better thought out in other words go to a a place a city a a bubble environment and play a week's worth of games I don't know how practical that would have been in the conference season it would have taken some thinking outside the box but I, I look at what North Carolina Central's had to endure here and that's a league without a lot of resources, but they've gone 40 some odd days without playing a basketball game till they returned to action here recently. It's just not a real smart way to handle the conference schedule.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at South Florida and the American, I think they're coming back off uh, a 28 day uh, period where they've only been able to practice twice and uh, not played any games. And yeah, you know, my, my thoughts with the bubble situation, you could have made it happen, but it was going to require a lot of original thought and innovation. And I think when you're looking at university administration to, uh, that's just really not their, uh, forte. Uh, it's just kind of, you know, fill in the, fill in the blanks and follow what we've always done. But I think the opportunity was there to have, uh, three bubbles maybe within a conference schedule spaced out and uh and, and get everybody together and you know you have to have three straight days of negative tests before you can enter the bubble or that sort of thing and, and and you're there and you have teams who can play and if there is a team that can't come and play at that period well then you have another you know situation at the end is it ideal no but it is the best safest way in my opinion to to get games in but it would just require a complete discarding of the current model you know that we've used forever and uh, going to something uh, innovative and uh, revolutionary to, to get the season in in the safest way possible and make sure that there was an equitable number of games played across the board. I mean' we've got you've got some of these conferences where, where teams are kind of going to struggling to reach their league minimum uh, here going into the final weeks of the season as far as uh, you know whether that's eight or ten games or whatever that number is within the conference to be eligible for the conference tournament.
3: Brian Mull on the line with us here. We're talking college basketball. The season has uh, been very herky-jerky for a lot of programs. It's been a really strange, bizarre kind of year, and we still have several weeks to go, and a lot of teams that uh, are going to have to try to jam in a lot of games to get that minimum 13 to qualify, at least now for the NCAA tournament. Speaking of which, I want to be realistic here. I mean, you have to have – this is the thing, I think, Brian, that guys like Billis uh, totally overlooks. He's smart enough he shouldn't, but you never hear, hear him really verbalize this. And even Adam Golden, I like Adam, but, you know, Adam's view on this, I think, sometimes is not, uh, not at least he, – he doesn't express that view consistently enough that I've heard him. And that is, if you're looking even at even a place like ECU, any team in the American – any of these uh, mid-major conferences, there has to be an NCAA. Hell for the NCAA as an organization, there has to be an NCAA tournament this year because you get the TV revenue, especially what followed from last year. That's just a fact of life. You may not like it, but that is uh, that is a fact here. So on the devil's advocate side of what we're presenting here, there has to be a tournament this year because if there's not, a lot of university athletic departments may be going the way of the dodo bird.
2: Yeah, I mean they're requiring uh, they they're relying. Excuse me on that money to. Fund their department, you know, without the the mega TV contracts that the, the Power Six or top leagues have, you know, they 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 have to get those checks, you know, and to pay the bills and to help the volleyball team travel or whatever the case may be, and it's just a situation where, you know, that there has to be, and I think everybody understands that, you know, they're all pulling toward that, trying to trying to make their the NCAA tournament happen, but. But what I've, you know, think has just been overlooked is just a plan, a comprehensive plan, because you've got so many different conferences every, and, and just the way it's set up, everyone is allowed to kind of do their own thing and figure out what works best for them. But, um, as we're starting to see, I mean, we, I think we had 49 teams last week that, that didn't play a game. Uh, you know, it's 15% right there of, of college basketball that was, that was sitting out. And I've uh, got certain teams that, that, that don't look like they're going to play anytime soon.
3: Brian, let's talk about the conference tournaments uh, right now. This started about a month ago uh, during an SEC broadcast. There was some open speculation by the commentators whether or not that they would have a full field participating in that tournament. Their talk has really started to center around these uh, multi-bid leagues. If you know you're getting into the NCAA tournament uh, and you don't have to win the tournament to to play in the big dance, if you will, why even go to the conference tournament? Do you believe, would you be surprised if we have conference tournaments for the multi-bid leagues being played with uh, fields without a lot of teams?
2: Uh, not at all. I mean, because you want to be healthy and you want to be, you know, have as many negative tests as possible going into the NCAA tournament and have all your players at your disposal. So why send them somewhere where they could possibly, uh, you know, put that at, at risk? And, and if you look at some of these mid-major leagues, uh, for example, the Missouri Valley Conference, Loyola Chicago has got a resume I mean, they're a top-25 team. They've got a resume that's worthy of the NCAA tournament. So say they continue to win here the next few weeks. If I'm the Missouri Valley, I approach Loyola and say, how about you skip the tournament? We'll have the tournament, and that way we're guaranteed to get two teams in, which doubles our money, uh, and potentially even more than that if one of them could win a game. I mean, what's what's wrong with that? I mean, a, a 24-1 Loyola Chicago team is going to certainly earn an at-large bid based on who they've played and who they've beat. And uh, you know, it'd be a great opportunity for them to to kind of cash in and, uh, and and get an extra team in the field.
3: Yeah, that's a great point. uh Brian Mull, we appreciate the time here. Heck American may want to consider doing that with Houston. Get just I mean Houston's gonna be on the two or three line. so all right, uh, thanks to Brian Mull. uh Ben Byram standing by uh, and Ben's got an update on breaking news involving pirate basketball plus uh, other athletics news in in, uh, in the pirate program and everything else that's going on in the world with your sports flash here's ben byram thanks patrick ben byram here for your 94
4: city game sports sub breaking news out of pirate basketball as it was announced that they will be on a temporary pause and that both games scheduled for tomorrow and this Saturday against Temple will be postponed due to COVID issues within ECU's program. Also announced by ECU Athletics earlier today that as part of the reinstatement process of women's tennis and women's swimming and diving they will rehire former head coaches Kirsten Burgess and Matthew Jabs. The timetable for these sports to return is expected to be fall 2021 and an input from these head coaches. Elsewhere in college basketball it's a stag night for college hoops. You start from Mary Conference match is currently underway between Tulsa and Tulane. Actually, just wrapped up. Tulsa defeats Tulane 67 to 54. Moving on to some games tipping off later tonight. Old Dominion travels to Charlotte. That game is expected to be tight. Las Vegas only has the 49ers favored by one and a half points. At seven, we have another American Conference match between eighth-ranked Houston and USF. USF Bulls are the 12 and a half point underdogs. Ninth-ranked Virginia takes on Georgia Tech. The number nine Cavaliers are the four point favorites. Wake Forest match against Boston. College. The Wake Forest Demon Deacons are barely the favorites in that matchup, only being favored by a point and a half. Then another American Conference matchup is underway as Wichita State battles UCF. The UCF Knights are the underdogs by two points. Wofford hosts the University of Tennessee Chatt- Chattanooga. The Wofford Terriers are the four and a half point favorites. Western Carolina takes on VMI. The Western Carolina Catamount- mounts are the two point favorites. Then we finally have a matchup between two ranked opponents at 730. 25th ranked Rutgers battles 15th ranked Iowa. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights are the 6.5-point underdogs. At 8, 16th-ranked Tennessee host Georgia. Tennessee is in that game by 12.5 points. And non-5th-ranked Villanova matches up against Marquette. The Marquette Golden Eagles are the heavy underdogs by 11 points. 10th-ranked Missouri travels to Old Miss. The Mizzo Tigers are narrow 2.5-point favorites. And closing out the night at 9.30, 21st-ranked Wisconsin takes on Nebraska. The Nebraska Cornhuskers are the 11-point underdogs in that matchup. From the NFL, the Washington football team signed quarterback Taylor Heineke to a two-year deal worth up to $8.75 million, with many members of the team's front office wanting to keep him after his performance in the playoffs. And the Denver Broncos released former Pro Bowl cornerback A.J. Bouye after a positive PED test that saw him receive a six-game suspension. And From Major League Baseball, the league and the players' union agreed to the health and safety protocols for the 2020 season, as well as seven-inning doubleheaders for runners on second in extra innings. If you're a Game Sports Update, I'm Ben Baum.
0: Everybody, everybody, let's get it. Get Get started.
3: Get started. So many years ago on the uh, award winning Pirate yeah, yeah. Game Day Countdown, super producer, the Senator Jonathan Edwards, uh, put this as part of the intro. We'd come in, we'd cut a custom intro each week, and we'd come in. And Richard Horrigan, ECU football, I'm a receiver. I got a, there are so many Richard Horrigan stories I could tell, but this one, I'm just going to stick with this one here. But uh, Horrigan, this was sort of the, the song of the moment when we recorded the Open that summer. Uh-huh. And by the time we got to October, everybody was sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it would drive Horrigan crazy. So. Oh, I, I,
4: I have a song that's just like this one where I've, I've heard it so many times. I bet you
3: do, and we might hear it here in a moment. Uh, by the way, the uh, boat parade in Tampa today, there's a video now where, uh, and it's kind of side-by-side video, a perspective on Tom Terrific's uh, Instagram of him throwing the hailed uh, Super Bowl trophy from his boat to the boat where Gronk was on. So you see it from both angles, Gronk receiving it and Brady throwing it, and, and Gronk caught it. Didn't fall into the water, didn't hit the boat. What if that thing had fallen in the water? What would have happened?
4: Well, look, we know one can throw. We know one can catch. Yeah, it's all right. It's
3: a safe bet. Uh, beginning Monday, we've got uh, – I'm very excited about this. Uh, we talk to Coach Godwin every year during the baseball season. We talk to all the head coaches. Uh, of course, Coach Houston regularly in season, Coach Godwin regularly in season. But we're going to do something very, very exciting with uh, Coach Godwin this year. Um for the time of day we're having to do this we're going to go ahead and post the podcast on 94.3 the uh as soon as uh the conversation that i have with coach godwin is completed and uh, we'll still air a portion of it if not all of it depending on what the subject matter is uh and how expansive it is here on on the afternoon show that airs at five every monday uh but you'll hear uh Exclusive first uh, comments from Coach Godwin coming out of every weekend series on Monday mornings. We'll post it on our website, 94.3thegame.com, uh, somewhere in the 9 o'clock hour. Inside the ECU Clubhouse with Coach Cliff, Coach Cliff Godwin is uh, brought to you by the Gavigan Agency, Insurance and Financial Services and Carolina Digestive Diseases and Endoscopy Center. So uh, appreciate those folks making it a possibility. Looking forward to talking to Coach starting Monday. Uh, throughout the uh, lead-up to uh, the postseason and the road to Omaha. Speaking of Coach Godwin, Monday he held a Zoom press conference. We didn't have a show Monday because of Pirate Hoops. Had too much yesterday, really, to get around uh, to it. No disrespect. But we're inside of 10 days. The, the uh, first pitch being fired at Clark LeClaire Stadium. It'll be a week from Friday. 4 o'clock as uh, the Pirates host Rhode Island. Opening game of the season. First of a three-game set. It is time for today's Pirate Report.
0: And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The
4: Game.
3: Is this what you're talking about? I think they snuck one in there. Do you? Not cool. This gets you ready for the baseball season, Ben. All right, Coach Godwin, with the latest from Pirate Baseball. Hit it, Ben.
1: Yeah, we've had two weekends of scrimmages, you know, been in practice since, I think, January 29th was our first day. So guys have done a really good job. Early on, we had, you know, some COVID protocol stuff going on, but right now we are full strength. Every player is on the field um, and we're rocking and rolling. So uh this weekend was good and the guys have done a good job at this point obviously as we all know it's different um just trying to keep our bubble tight um as we move forward we're in a pretty good situation with the amount of guys that have antibodies from the fall um and the guys that just came out of covid protocol i mean we're in pretty good shape right now but as we know as the season keeps going that guys could lose antibodies and um who knows if you can get it or not after that. So uh, I'm not a doctor. Um, so uh, I won't try to be one.
3: What impresses uh, Coach Godwin most about the uh, scrimmages so far that his team has had?
1: I, I've been impressed with, especially the older guys, just the leadership that they've had. And when we need something to be accomplished, to talk to Matt Bridges, Tyler Smith, Cam Colmore, uh, Jake Manor, Franny. Ryder, Seth, Bryson, whoever. I mean, we've got a lot of guys returning, so they know what the expectations are. And and I know this sounds crazy, but, you know, I think they're pretty hungry and they're they're ready to play um, somebody else. I mean, we still need a few weeks of practice, in my opinion. But the the older guys, you talk about a team that got their season, you know, the rug pulled out from under them. They're pretty hungry on most days. And no matter, uh, yesterday was, Tough conditions outside, especially early. It got better as the day went on, but I thought our guys had great energy and intent um, to enter squad and take BP when it was cool outside and the wind was blowing pretty good. Our Pirate Report
3: today comments earlier in the week from Coach Cliff Godwin, Pirate Baseball, about 10 days away from uh, beginning, week from Friday. This is Coach Godwin, uh, and he talks about his team contracting COVID as possibly being a positive thing.
1: I know this sounds crazy too, but guys that have antibodies and guys that just haven't, I mean, we got about 30 guys that for the next month are in a safe bubble from what the doctors, you know, that they don't have to test because they've got antibodies and they're within the 90-day window. So we're in good shape for at least the next month of having a lot of our players on the field. The thing I worry about is, guys dropping their guard when they have the antibodies or they're in that 90-day window because then it becomes a habit. And when they come out of antibodies or the 90-day window, I mean, it's important you got to wear your mask because the contact tracing is what crushes, in my opinion, the the team.
3: All right. uh, Skipping ahead here for the interest of time, uh, the goal is to win a national championship, not just get to Omaha, but win the whole dang thing. Cut five.
1: There's a lot of things to be optimistic about, but as I told our guys yesterday, and I want this to be the message to everybody, is I don't see anybody ranking us number one. And a lot of polls have us ranked pretty low. So I don't know what your expectation level is as players, but my expectation level as a head coach is to win a national championship. And people probably look at me like I'm crazy. you have never even been to Omaha. ECU baseball has never been to Omaha. Well, our goal is to win a national championship. And that's what we go out to try and do every single day is have a national championship practice.
3: All right. uh, Coach Godwin, the big news out of this was uh, Gavin Williams not expected to be ready for the season opener. So uh, let's play that, Ben, in Coach Godwin's words. Cut seven.
1: Um, Yeah, Gavin's had some misfortune and uh, he's dealing with some misfortune right now, too. So I, I don't know if he'll be available for opening weekend so we can go ahead and get that elephant out of the room. Um, he is not thrown in a scrimmage yet. He has thrown bullpens and uh, is getting better. But I, I don't know. He definitely won't start opening weekend. Uh, Gavin knows that. And our staff knows that because we want to make sure to bring him along slowly so that we can have him. You know, we'd rather have him at full strength at the end of the season than the beginning of the season.
3: And this is what uh, Coach answered when he was asked about who will be the opening day starter now.
1: Look, I I would say right now it's going to be between Tyler Smith and Cooch on Friday, and the other one will pitch on Saturday. Um, Wiz and Hunt and Spivey have both pitched great, um, and they are pushing those other two guys.
3: So a lot of options uh, for uh, Cliff Godwin. There will be a lot of options this year because of the depth and talent on the team. This is uh, Coach talking about Zach Agnos and answering the question, will he be – a two-way player, third base and pitcher for the Pirates this year.
1: Two way you. Definitely more the focus has been on uh third just because he's a guy that we expect to run out to third base pretty much every single day. Now can play short, can play second, so don't think that he will be stuck to third base. But he Zach has pitched and he did not have good success in the fall. His slider was good, but he he just got hit around. Well, him and Coach Dietrich have been working on his changeup and uh, I'll tell you what. This weekend, his changeup was swinging miss. I think he threw six pitches in an in inning, and that's all we threw him was one inning, and it was uh, lights out. So he will pitch some, but he will not, you know, be considered a starter because we need him to play, um, you know, on the infield every single day.
3: And uh, one other note here on our Pirate report today: Do we have the uh, Dooley cuts up from the Dooley show last night? You know, we had the uh, Eric asked me earlier a little bit about you know, how the Pirates could beat a team like Houston but then come back and not look so great and lose to, well, they actually look pretty good at times, but lose anyway, uh, lose to Memphis and lose to SMU. Of course, those two teams are really, really good. But Joe Dooley, this is cut 15 here. I mean, he kind of said it on his show last night. They've got to increase the way they shoot the three ball. We
4: were one. We were one for 13, and I, I thought of the 13, 10 of them were probably good shots. Uh, and, you know, you, when you get good shots, you got to step up and make, you know, even three or four of them makes a difference in any game, or, or two or three
1: makes a difference in a game. And, uh, you know, you, you know, we've we've been up and down. We've got to find a, a happy medium on that. We, you know, we last two games we were three for 27. So we, we need to, you know, we've been in doing extra shooting. We'll shoot a little bit extra before practice tomorrow.
4: Uh, we we'll try to get some guys' confidence back going and, and uh, bring it to Temple.
3: That will not be happening, though. That game has been uh, postponed because of COVID issues with the Pirate Program. Yeah, get with the Toms, God, <laughs> And uh, it was announced today. Of course, that cut was from last night. But uh, no Pirate basketball today because, uh, or excuse me, Thursday or Saturday because of COVID issues. All right, let's uh, take a break and we'll be back to wrap it up next.
0: We'd appreciate it if anyone hearing this broadcast would communicate with us. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. We are very anxious to know how far the broadcast is reaching. 94.3 The Game at 94.3thegame.com And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. <laughs> it's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game.
3: Yadier Molina going to continue with the Cardinals. This season. Any other big baseball hot stove that happened today?
4: No. Okay. Outside of the union and the players no. kind of agreeing on that,
3: whatever. That was comprehensive. Oh, yeah. That, I broke it down for you. Uh, thanks to Brian Mull. Tomorrow, Jeff Gluck from The Athletic, big NASCAR rider. Got to start here in E&C. And uh, we'll talk the Great American Race Daytona. And I think Shook is down there. We might check in with him. Thanks to uh, the always. Oh, we went out of one song into the other. A little mix here. Uh, thanks to the always. Superb mixmaster himself, Ben Byram. And intern Ryan. Great to see you today. Great Try job. Trying out to going. be a DJ. There you go. I'll uh, back at it tomorrow for the Patrick Johnson Show. Vote in our Twitter poll at 943 The Game. You'll see it pinned to the top of the page. Tell you about it tomorrow.